0: So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Good afternoon, and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today, we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by Annie Henderson. Good afternoon, or good morning, I should say.
1: Yeah. How
0: are you doing? Wonderful. Thank you. Wonderful. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. So, Yeah. Thank you for having me. No. Listen, Annie, tell us, who are you, and where do you come from?
1: Uh, my name's Annie Henderson, and mm. I live in... Texas. So I'm over in the U S and I've lived here actually my whole life, (laughs) my whole life. I haven't left a bit. Uh, I am a school counselor, LPC and life coach. Uh, so as a life coach, I, I have a a podcast, uh, that's called the happy mama village that I co-host and we enjoy, um, also doing interviews and talking about all that good stuff that that moms are, are struggling with. And I'm also a coming out coach. So helping uh, the LGBT community uh, ha- live authentically, um, as well as their families. So I know a lot of times as people are being uh, brave and courageous, the coming out age is kind of lowering, right? So now there's these families going, "Ah, oh, we can't just tell them no anymore. <laughs> they're, they're coming out. And so kind of helping the families come out as well and how to uh, build stronger relationships with their kids.
0: So, a couple of things, so one the shoes on the other foot, so you're at the uh, receiving end of the questions. How's that
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's uh it's a little different. I'm usually the listener, so uh yeah, very different
0: well, there you go so it's it's no' it'll be interesting so it's, it's always good I'm excited. to excited. um and you like to it seems like you like the transition period in life, whether it be school or coming out or whatever it is it It seems to be something that's it's obviously quite meant quite a lot to you.
1: Yeah, yes. I've had, if I look back, several transitions myself, and I credit that to being a people pleaser and just being kind of raised as a people pleaser. And finally, um, I've recently been thinking about how people have midlife crisis. And I was thinking, you know what? I don't think that's bad. Like, I think it's more of an awakening, right? You're like, hey, oh. Why, why,
0: why waste a good midlife crisis? brilliant.
1: <laughs> right. But it's not, yeah, it's not a midlife crisis where I, like, as I saw it growing up, right? It's, oh, I finally understand. Like, I don't have to please these people. I don't have to do this. Like, it's my own life and I only get one of them. What do I want my life to look like? So well, I'm, I might've had a, a few of those already.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we're gonna hopefully hear more about that. So it's interesting that you, you're at a stage where you, you know, it's, it's almost not caring what other people think. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's glorious. So, so I, you were asking my age a little bit ago and I'm, I'm thir- 39 and I don't have a problem saying that because I'm finding as I get older, whereas maybe my mom's generation was like, oh, we're getting older. And you know, they have those over the hill parties and all, all of the black and the, the walkers. Um, every So like all the 30 year olds before I was 30 were like, no, the thirties are the best. Like you're going to love it. And I was like, yeah. And then same for the forties. All the women in the forties are like, the forties is really where it gets good. Like you don't give a shit. It's just going to get better and better. So I was talking to a pastor yesterday and she was saying with the Bible, you can find whatever you want in there. If you want to find some text to, say you should hate certain people, then you can find it. If you want to find something to support, you should love everyone, you can find that. Um, so same thing with your outlook. I can, if I wanted to talk to like my mom, she would say, you know, life gets worse And you. <laughs> if talking about like photographs, she'll be like, oh, you'll like that picture in five years, because in five years, you'll look even worse. So <laughs> just hold on. So. There's people like that. And then there's people that are encouraging and are like, you know what? Um, this next decade of your life can be even better. So I love that outlook and just knowing that, oh my gosh, it's whatever I want it to be. It's, it doesn't have to be bad because I have a teenager or <laughs> or I'm in my forties now. Um, my, my grandma just passed away this past January and she was 99. Uh, this weekend would have been her hundredth birthday. So, looking at that time frame, I've got well over half my life left. So, better make you know, be intentional about it and live it the way I want it to go.
0: So you have a really good midlife crisis coming up that you've got to look forward to.
1: Oh, I can't wait. Let's see what's next.
0: <laughs> hey, I always said, listen, a midlife crisis means you can go to the, the shop in your slippers. It's great. I mean, that's that's the point of There you go. not, not giving a damn what anyone else thinks. I love that's it.
1: Walmart now.
0: <laughs> <I'm right now. laughs> so you, we can see you in a couple of years' time just cruising through there in the beaches. Okay, it's like yeah. <laughs> Pretty relaxed. I love it. I love it. So tell us what what is what does fire in the belly mean to you?
1: Oh to me that means passion. What do, what am I passionate about? And as a as a people pleaser, I got married at nineteen. And I was just like, Oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. Oh, my plans are to go away for college. Oh. Oh, you don't think I should do that? Okay, I'll I'll stay and go locally and just just listening to other people and not having no clue who I was. And um just kind of falling along. Didn't really I knew I loved psychology, um but just kind of trickling along and stumbling into different things and wasn't until my late 20s that um I first I had my daughter and then um and then I came out and got a divorce and it was still still several years of people pleasing even after that because I was still like who who am I what do I like um and there wasn't probably until my 30s when I started really I took a kind of a year off of okay I'm not going to date anybody and I even kind of jokingly told myself Okay, once my daughter graduates from high school, then I can date people because that's a little that's realistic. Um, and then of course when I stopped looking is when I met my soulmate. But the 30s have been just eye-opening. And I left a solid job uh that was amazing after getting uh I got three master's degrees, I was had the job that I wanted, and then I was like, hmm, it's not really not really what I want. <laughs> And that about probably killed my mom <laughs> because that was a good, good old nine to five, right? It had insurance, it had um, had retirement, all the stuff that you you should have. And I was like, nah, no, let's go try something else. So um, yeah, that's been my last decade. Just a lot of exploring and blowing my mom's mind. <laughs>
0: It almost sounds like you did it on purpose, but... Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, so your, your mom's kind of a... It's a glass half empty. And in fact, it's probably not even water and it's probably not even a glass. <laughs> right. Kind it's, of the, what I'm it's the melted right ice. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah. And you know what? I think it's just... And I would say the, that generation, but there's plenty of strong strong people from that generation. So I can't really say that. But I really think that the way... We're raised and what we talk about, like in my, I have a end mom guilt Facebook group for moms. And what we talk about in there is if you're not happy and you're not being authentic and living your truth, then what are your kids going to learn from you? What are they going to take away? What are they going to? Are they going to be like Annie and (laughs) bounce off the walls and be like a pinball machine as she tries to figure things out? But knowing ourselves and getting to this stage where we can then raise our kids in such a way that, oh, I want I want something better for you, um, can be powerful.
0: I find it interesting you brought that up because yeah, I kind of seem to come a lot across people who... Want to vicariously live through their children, so I <laughs> yeah. kind of yeah. go. I want my kids to have everything, and it's kind of going. Okay, what about you? It's like, no, no. I want I want my kids to be educated, and I want them to be clean and nice, and All everything right. they ever want. And he's kind of going, "Hey, cut your own lawn first. You know, it's like, <laughs> really
1: exactly exactly. It's same with same with therapy and coaching, right? I I'll have several parents that will send their kids to me or their teenagers to me for therapy, but Will they, will they work on themselves? No, they don't want to do that. They just want to be like, it's almost like training a, training a puppy, right? People will send their dogs off to be trained and then they come back and it still doesn't work because the parents, right. Can't work with the, with the puppy. Same with the kids. Like there's so much time spent with your, your kids and your um, kids and parents that we gotta, we gotta figure it out. It can be better.
0: (laughs) Why is that? It's like bizarre. It's like the eye can't see itself or something. It's like, yeah, yeah, the world's broken. I'm cool though. <laughs> yeah,
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just our blinders. We all have mm. blinders on and it's so easy to just be comfortable, right? We're in our comfort zone. It's good enough. Mm. Good enough. Or um, I have a eating disorder specialist friend. And, you know, she'll have clients and it's the same with, with mine, but she'll have clients that will say like, I'm not sick enough. Like I'm not enough. So same thing with parents, right? They're waiting for the poop to hit the fan before they're like, okay, maybe, maybe I need some help. But the key is in shortcutting that and working on stuff and being proactive and preventative.
0: It's interesting to say, again because I've had a discussion recently with people, and you talk about success, and it almost seems that the darker the place the person goes to, then the more they sort of rebound and, and accelerate away from that. So they they achieve more because they come from a darker place, you know. Which again seems a bit counterintuitive, but also you kind of go, really? So I've got to go to a dark place to go to the really good. place? Uh,
1: it's the yeah, it's the contrast, right? You you don't know how good it can be if it sometimes doesn't get that bad Mm. right if you're not struggling if you're not living a life and going what is this or your kids aren't (laughs) going through those teenage years right so many parents appreciate their kids once they're in their 20s and they've left home but like they wanted to strangle them when they were teens
0: Hey, listen, I've got three young daughters. So uh, yeah, I'm come <laughs> teenagerhood, I'm, I'm moving out. <laughs> no.
1: And uh, so that's where I want to stop you because my mom had said the same thing. She was like, oh, she's like for, I think two years, she kept saying, oh, she's almost a teenager. She's almost a teenager. And I just was like, that doesn't mean anything. Like I'm going to like now it's like a challenge. Like this is my goal. It's going to be smooth. And of course my kiddo is 13. So she's just barely in. So I'm sure there's some moms out there going, wait till 14. (laughs) But right now, like we have some good, good bedrock, right? We have good communication. We, um, I did a, kind of a little video series on Dr. Gottman's the four R's in a relationship. And it talks about resistance, uh, is when you're annoyed with something, like in a relationship, and but you don't say anything. Mm-hmm. And then, <clears throat> because you're like, oh, no big deal, no big deal. But then they all start stacking up. And then if you don't talk about them, you get to the resentment stage. And then resentment's where you start to get angry and you start to hate all these little things. Same, I feel like you can apply those to your kids as well. Have these conversations and set up all of this framework before they get to the teens. If you wait till the teens, that's like trying to teach uh, a school full of children how to do a fire drill during an actual fire. (laughs) There's chaos, no one's listening, Um, hormones everywhere. So that's, I think, Mighty Pete, I think you will do fine. You'll be prepared.
0: Well, I'm um, here's hoping, but life is extremely different. I mean, you know, as you know, for you and counseling in school, I mean, did you have the same facility when you were going through school as, as there are and features there are now?
1: So and I, correct me if I'm taking this somewhere else. Um, so when I was younger, I don't remember, I know there probably was a school counselor. I don't remember at all. But I, uh, when I was a first grade teacher, the school counselor, um, the amazing Sarah Beth Holman, I will say that name because she's deserves to be applauded. Uh, She was and still is the best school counselor that I've ever seen. And I've, you know, come from a district where I got to meet so many different counselors and then even work in different elementary schools. And Uh, so I got to see how it was done and it was modeled kind of like with parenting, right? If you model it for your kids, then they can be more successful. So I got to see her and see how she did it and her work ethic and her heart. Um, so that when I was a school counselor, I, I loved it. I was all about the connections, less about the paperwork, um, but more about getting with the kids and the families and brainstorming and doing all the the stuff that just was a fire in my belly uh it it lit me up it i still love working with kids because they're just so pure hearted um so i don't remember a counselor like that but maybe it was because i didn't need one but i know one of my goals as a school counselor was making sure all the kids knew who i was like they all knew my name i had lunch with all of them in little groups um and we talked about how to reach out for help uh so i thought that was a little different from from when i was raised
0: yeah was that your question yeah no it, it, it is because i think i mean life is extremely different you know and, and uh, um it, it's 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 funny how you know whether it be generational or the careers teaching things like that's kind of going yeah okay we put your figures into the machine, and it came out with this. So, you're going to be a landscape artist, and you're like, "Really? <laughs> I don't even like right. cutting grass." It's like,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> same with the counsellors. Like, oh, you look broken. Here, who's, there's somebody down there somewhere. They did something here. Go see them. You know. Whereas, as you say now, it's it's much more uh, interactive, and it seems it's almost it's it's not a it's not not a separate entity. It's it's part of it.
1: Right, and with gosh, with counselling and and life coaching in general. I I had put this on my Facebook page, uh, the other day and it was just, it was, it was kind of a funny, lighthearted meme mixed with some other stuff, but it was asking like, what's the hardest for you to say? And I think one was, um, I'm sorry. One was, uh, asking for help. One was, uh, appreciating someone. And then one was, um, uh, just a word that was hard to pronounce, and I'm not going to say it because I would butcher it, but most of the people that responded said asking for help, which is like what we were saying. Everyone's like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Asking for help is so hard, whether it's help with something menial, like, oh, will you help me take the trash out and fearing that rejection, um, but also asking for help for mental, emotional help or help with their kids or their relationship, right? Your relationship doesn't have to like hit rock bottom before you ask for help and you start to see those, those warning signs. So whew, what about you? Pete, are you good at asking for help?
0: Um Am I good for an No, I'm probably not. <laughs> <laughs> then you're you're normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah I was like, welcome to school kind of normal. I don't know. I mean, it's, listen, I, I've had so many changes, I suppose, over the last three, three and a half years, and and that's, and that's down to asking, you know, what if? It's it's down to saying, I know enough to know that I don't know, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm willing to ask the question. So, yeah, it's it's a journey, you know, and and hey, I, I look back and, you know, it's, you know. <laughs> Teenagers, it's a, it's a crazy time, you know. But I suppose I'm, I'd be curious to know what you know. What support or advice would you give to your your sort of younger self? You know, looking back now, what support did you need, or would have benefited? Do you know? Do you, Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Oh gosh, so it's uh, have you have you read the book, The Four Agreements?
0: No, I haven't actually. <gasps>
1: Oh my goodness. Okay, for you and everyone else, that's usually a book that I will recommend to clients or anyone right away. <clears throat> and it's, I mean, it's its a little different. It's Tol- Toltec Wisdom. It's Don Miguel Ruiz. <clears throat> Excuse me. And to, well, the first agreement is <clears throat> be impeccable with your word. And I'm actually reading this book with my daughter right now. Like at night, we cuddle, we read, we kind of talk about it. So be impeccable with your word that has to do with don't badmouth other people and don't talk trash about yourself, which was huge back when I was younger. Right. And And I'm sure still is, but I'm just so far removed from that, that it, I'm not struggling with it anymore, but you know, self image and, Oh, I'm so fat. Oh, I'm, I'm dumb. All of that. And my kiddo is at a place where she's She's a lot like me, but me now. So like, she's way ahead of me when I was her age, just because she, she gets it. We've been having these conversations. So she has like some perfectionist friends and she has some anxious friends. So she's hearing and seeing it, but she's, she calls herself Switzerland. She's just kind of neutral and uh, easygoing. Um, Tax haven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then um, uh, the second agreement is don't take things personally. So don't take things personally. And then the third one is don't make assumptions. So those three, uh, and I even brought this into the school when I was still a school counselor, was talking to fourth graders about this. Because imagine if our kids grew up with okay, I'm not gonna take this personally, like they're just having a bad day, whether it's, oh, my parents, they're stressed out from work or, oh, my friends, like, it looks mad at me, but, oh, she's really mad at someone else. And just being able to let that go and not go on that roller coaster ride of drama with those people. So that's what I would tell younger Annie, because I think that would save a lot of heartache and of course, the whole people pleasing thing. You can't please everybody.
0: What was the fourth thing?
1: <laughs> it's my least favorite. Just kidding. It's uh it's always do your best. Okay. So your best is gonna look different. Um depending. Actually, for number four, you'll just have to get the book and read it. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's greatness at the end. You just have to read it.
0: I love it. love it. I thought you were gonna leave me on a cliffhanger there. It's like, no, this that's you <laughs> over if you don't tell me what number four is. Let's <laughs> go.
1: Cool.
0: Cool. Cool. So that's uh take us back. I mean who are you, where are you from? Give us a bit of a, a snapshot of your, your upbringing.
1: Okay, so I um, come from a smallish town in North Texas. So Texas is pretty, uh, pretty, oh gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on words. Uh, anyway, so we're, we're small and I grew up as a little athlete. I was a, a tomboy played every sport they would let me play. And I'm sure part of that is also my mom, because if you ask her, she'll say, you know, for some reason, when she was uh, in school, they took away sports for girls. Um, I I think they let them do swimming and that was it. So there was like just a weird, so now she's like, do sports, do sports, do sports. So luckily for her, I did every sport and, I was I was kind of a natural so I could just play whatever she would want to toss me in and I could make her proud. Um and and then I probably broke her heart again when I got to high school and I didn't go on to play it anymore. I was just like, okay, I did it. <laughs> that was fun. I liked playing with my friends but had no interest in in playing for college or professionally. And then it's funny cuz my daughter is uh, she's okay with saying no. So when I'm like, Oh, ready for soccer season? Eh, I don't think I'm, I think I'm good. Oh, Oh, like that's something I could have said <laughs> Like growing up. I could just say, Oh, I tried it. It was good. And Scarlett's a natural too. She could play whatever she wants, but finding what she actually loves is key. So she loves tennis, which is fun and we get to play it together. But, um, yeah. So I had two older brothers, um my parents uh let's see we would travel i guess a little uh middle-class family we would take little road trips and ski in colorado uh have a lot of fun my brothers and i would make little home movies and laugh a lot uh lots of pets um but i I think most of my friends now I'm looking at it were either, you know, through school and church or, um, athletics. And I just wasn't, I wasn't, I would not call myself the po- a popular kid. <laughs> I knew who the popular kids was and I had friends through sports, but I was not the, the super popular kid, which is okay. Cause I'm definitely more of a a homebody. Um, so let's see. I, so what's funny is as I already said, I came out when I was in my twenties. I knew I was when I was younger, I knew I was different, but I didn't really have a clue. Whereas my partner, when she was about five, she knew she was a lesbian. She she knew as like a little kindergarten, which is awesome because it's everyone has a different path and a different story. And mine was just clueless. I was just like, let's play soccer and sports and have fun and and that's it. And when I was younger, they didn't have a lot of girls teams in Sherman. So I would just be the girl on the boys team. So I would be like the pitcher in the little league team or the all-star team. And, um, and everyone was really nice to me. <laughs> everyone was sweet and awesome. Uh, let's see, so I met, my ex-husband playing, of course, on a softball team that someone asked me to be on, I think it was before my senior year, and he was actually in college. So, and and as I said, I was just, I was just a people pleaser going along with whatever. Um, uh, he... And as I said, I had mentioned going off to college, like, oh, I think I'm going to go to UNT because they have a great psych program. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like, I don't, I think if you leave, like, this probably wouldn't last. I was like, okay, okay, I'll stay. (laughs) Like, just not thinking too deep into anything, just kind of, okay, whatever. Um, And I'm skipping around horribly. So I'll go back a little bit. My parents divorced when I was, oh, gosh you would think this would really stand out. Um, Maybe when I was a sophomore or junior and it's, I get a little mixed up because my dad had a closed head injury where he flipped his Jeep and he's also, um, he's also bipolar. So there's a lot of that mixed in, um, which of course caused some, some family drama. And um, we, one thing about growing up, one way is you learn to maybe parent a different way. So, I was one of those people where instead of just simply copying what came before me, I wanted to go. You know what? When I have a kid, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this a little different. I think it could be a little easier. We'll see. Um, so then I got my associate's degree, which I don't know if it's just like a
0: two-year. What do we call a diploma?
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah Just yeah. uh
0: hmm.
1: yeah. Um so I I did that and luckily in my town there were um there's a community college with the associate's degree and then there's a I went on to get my bachelor's in psychology and then they had a one masters program for education. Now following all along the line of me not knowing who I was and what I wanted, (laughs) a friend was like, oh, I'm gonna do the education program. And I was like, huh, okay, that sounds like a good deal. Like one more, I just have to add these courses in one more year and I'll have my master's. That sounds like a good deal. It sounds cool, I'll I'll do that. I never wanted to be a teacher. (laughs) But luckily, luckily, uh, even though that wasn't my path, I still enjoyed it. I was still a happy teacher. I still loved getting to be around kids. So it wasn't like, as you, you know, you see sometimes there's can be some angry teachers and teachers that should not be in that in that position. Um, so luckily I didn't turn into one of those, but I, I did that and I was working in a title one school, so lower socioeconomic school. And then I, Uh, just kept going back to school for my master's in school counseling, and then my master's in professional counseling, and got my LPC, which is licensed professional counselor. So I did all that. And while I was doing that, um, I had my daughter, Scarlett. uh, And then so by that time, I was 26 when I had my daughter. And uh, to be honest, the marriage was It wasn't bad. It was just like a friendship, which in talking to other other married people, that's just sounded par for the course. That's just sadly, oh yeah, that's marriage. The sex isn't that good. And, um, you know, sometimes you don't like each other. So it was sad, but I was like, okay, then this is normal. (laughs) I'll stick with it. Um, Gosh silly me, silly me. So, uh, finally in my mid twenties, figured it, figured it all out. It wasn't, this was a bad marriage. <laughs> it was, oh, I'm, I'm a lesbian. <laughs> this, is, this is, this is the problem. That's not, con- that's not going to work out that way. Um, so I, uh, I got a divorce and I know some, so many times that can be such a scary situation and people will stay, right? I, so many people, especially I feel like in previous generations, will stay for the kids, right? They'll stay in a marriage that doesn't make them happy until their kids graduate. <laughs> and then they'll get a divorce and go on with living their life. Well, even though we weren't fighting, we weren't arguing, it wasn't horrible, there was no abuse or anything like that i was still like if i continue to live inauthentically and in this way that is not true to myself and isn't i'm not being truly happy i'm sure eventually it will get a little rocky and rough and i will not be setting the best example for my daughter so if i think ahead and i ask this to my clients a lot of times what would you want for your your kid would you want your daughter to stay in a relationship that doesn't make her happy and you know, if you ask, right, if you ask a parent that they're like, no, no, we don't want that. But if you ask it about themselves, they're like, I can, I can make it, I can make it 10 more years. (laughs) It's okay. Um, So I, yeah. So, and to his credit and his family's credit, um, we still get along well. Um, We're not chummy chummy we don't hang out (laughs) but it's some good parent co-parenting going on communication of course there's going to be frustrating moments uh especially around the holidays all that planning gets a little tricky but um but it can be done i will say that hopefully that brings someone hope that it can be done and even though sometimes you would like to be done with that side of everything if you have a kiddo together you're in it for still in it for the long haul so to be kind and respectful and try to work on communicating and being grateful for what they do have to offer that that will make a big difference if you continue if you continually bash them in your mind or talk bad about them or talk negatively to your own kid about their other parent it's it's not going to be good (laughs) <laughs> it's not going to be good.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing that you, you know, there's so many layers and and ideas and values and wants and needs and beliefs in there as well, isn't there? So it's yeah. it's a bit of a quagmire to get through. <laughs>
1: It is. It is. Yeah. You would think I would know my story pretty smoothly, but no, there's still lots of, oh my gosh. And then I did this and then I did this. So Pete, that's like volume one. <laughs> it's like we're only, we're only a chunk of the way through. Um, oh my gosh. I appreciate you, uh, letting me come on again because this is, this is refreshing and eye opening and, um, yeah, as the counselor and the life coach, usually I'm the one listening and asking the questions, so it's kind of fun to spin it on its head.
0: That's no, cool. It's, good. it's great to have you. So, seven, year old Annie, who are we going to meet?
1: Oh, say that again?
0: As a seven or eight-year-old, Annie, who, who are we meeting? What's the character and what's oh, the gosh. sort of person?
1: So, my easy answer is, I don't, like, I can't remember. Who knows that age, but... Let me see. That's about first grade, second grade. You know what? I think that age of Annie was confident. Like, you got me. (laughs) Who would think that saying confident would make someone cry, right? That's like a good thing. But it just kind of shows where little kids can start off confident, right? And then... The life happens right, or they're taught to people please or put in a little box to where we can crush crush their spirits for a decade or two hmm.
0: that's that's a that's quite a common you know as a regular saying uses people pleasing can you can you explain that for us
1: yeah, so people pleasing is so here's what it can look like if you're not familiar. <clears throat> Um, a lot of apologizing, right? If you have ever meet somebody and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And sometimes they say sorry and you're like, why, why are you saying sorry? <laughs> like, <laughs> this isn't something that you even need to apologize for.
0: Uh,
1: it A lot of times it's avoiding conflict. So, like, if we look at my story I've been telling today, instead of saying, no, I really want to go to this college, knowing that's going to be some conflict there, just agreeing and going, okay, I'll do that. Just, I don't, I don't want any conflict. So that's the person maybe in your peer group or in your family that will avoid conflict at all costs. They'll either do, go ahead and do something. Maybe they don't want to do or so lots of that's, so that's basically people pleasing, a lot of apologizing, trying to make other people happy, but in, trying to make everyone happy, which we know you can't make everyone happy. Um, you just never get to know who you are.
0: Why would you do that?
1: <laughs> you know what? I think, yeah, it's a good question. I don't think anyone consciously says, like, yeah, I, <laughs> I want to avoid all this and I just want to cater to everyone else. I think it's just modeling right parents modeling it or the way you're raised and even with kids these days i see there's been a shift with uh, um i know when i was little and if i was little and during i guess the as my daughter likes to call it during the 1900s when you were alive when you were born um with families and stuff, there'd be a big push of, oh, go hug and kiss this and hug and kiss this person. Like, do it. Like, who cares if you want to or not? Just uh, let's make all the grandparents and people happy. And now there's been a shift with, you know what, maybe we should listen. If someone makes them uncomfortable and they don't wanna go sit on grandpa's lap or go give uncle a kiss because they feel a little creeped out, maybe we shouldn't make them. So there's, and just, gosh, even, (laughs) I know one of my early jobs was working at a bank and even with like a shift in fashion and stuff and what people have to do, so like, You don't might not know this, maybe you do because of your mom, but I uh back in that job we had to wear pantyhose. Do you know pantyhose, Pete? You just don't know it like we know it because it was the worst. <laughs> it was the worst thing ever and and so just a very much this is how you need to look and this like there's no expression, no uniqueness, I feel which sounds funny because I feel like if you look at pictures of people growing up in the eighties, I guess it depends what age you were, because if you look at pictures, there's lots of uniqueness and clothes and styling, but I guess I was born in 80, So I was still like a little kid being dressed by my mom, probably too long. (laughs) Um, so it was very much, you know, put this gigantic bow on your head and, and this is how you should act. So a lot of the shoulds and people still should all over themselves. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, um,
1: and I think being able to let go of what I should do and what
0: Mm.
1: lights a fire in my belly, what brings me joy, what makes me happy, what's going to make me, uh, make me and my family thrive, not just what people are expecting of me.
0: Why do you think people expected things from you?
1: Hmm. Why? Uh, you know what? I think that's a good question. I think it's turned around maybe like, it's not that people expect things. It's that we think that people expect stuff of us. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Cause I, so a lot of people will fear rejection but it's usually, and, and so many times, the things that we worry about and we fear, like, I forget the exact number, but like 90 something percent never even come to fruition. They never even happen. So I feel it's the same way with people fearing rejection. If they actually asked, most people would say yes. And, and of course, part of that is them people pleasing as well. But, but like, if you come to people and you are able to ask you know, and, and be respectful. Most people are very agreeable and helpful, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting question because, yeah, I don't think, besides maybe my parents, right, sometimes we feel like our parents expect us to not embarrass them, <laughs> to make them proud, but I don't know if, you know, except for a job that people really expect a lot out of us. I think we put the pressure on ourselves and we hold ourselves back.
0: Mm. That's interesting. I suppose I'm even from a, you know, the next generation, you know, it's, you say that the, the fear of something can be greater than the actual, the, you know, what actually happens
1: Yeah, you
0: know, and, and how we, you know, the mind is amazing, but it also can, it can kind of turn against you slightly if left alone. It can.
1: It's uh, gosh, our, yeah. Our, our brain wants to keep us safe, right? And in keeping us safe, it means not trying new things, not stepping outside of the box that the brain knows because the brain has those those synapses, right? And those ruts and all those connections. When you try to make a new one, it's like, I don't know this, like this might not be safe, like come back, (laughs) come back to this marriage, come back to this always, you know, people pleasing because we understand that we know this and it's safe here.
0: To go back and on the people plays inside, do you think for you was that was it fear? Was it projection? Was what? Do, do you know what triggered it? Gosh,
1: I haven't even gone back and started thinking about this. Um, hmm, maybe it probably was a little fear. Um, I don't, and that's I guess how subconscious it was. It wasn't like people are thinking. Hmm, I am. I'm scared of this. But if you ask people, right, like you're asking me now, and you think about it, then yeah, there's that fear of um, being alone, or fear of if making someone mad. And and I and I came from a family that had a lot of fights early on, so I was all about avoiding conflict. (laughs) Like I didn't like the fights. I didn't want them. So people pleasing and doing what I need to do to avoid fights in my own family or anything like that was something that probably just kind of naturally started within me.
0: That's cool. That's cool. So <laughs> take us on and then through to, you know, sort of your, your teens and stuff like that, you know, it's what, again, did, did life change for you then? I mean, did you, were you just a normal teen or? Uh,
1: you know what? I was, uh, I was, I feel like I never evolved from the seventh and eighth grader. I was still just playing sports through high school, just doing what I was supposed to do. I really didn't have a a wild streak. I wasn't a partier. I didn't do any of that. Um, uh, gosh, my brother, one of my brothers was about two years older. So he was in high school at the same time and we played like in the orchestra together. But, and he, I think he, you know, he did more with his friends. He, they went to concerts and they had fun and gotten in, got into some good old trouble. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, mine was pretty simple, I think. And, you know, playing sports nonstop, like from volleyball season would go into um, soccer and then softball. Like there was always a season. So I didn't have a lot of downtime. My time was pretty much uh, spent and um, set. So I didn't, I wasn't able to go out. And that's probably part of me not being able to spend a lot of time with friends and like partying and being able to say no to something or, Um, you know, I, when a boy would say, Hey, do you want to, you want to be my girlfriend? I would say, okay, (laughs) but there was, but it was always the same, same kind of pattern. Like, like I would date one guy and then I would, uh, break up with him and then it would be another guy. And then, another. but it was just the same kind of pattern of saying, okay, so saying, okay to stuff that you really, and that's another people pleaser thing, not being able to say no. And then when you are able to say no to stuff that you really don't want, then you can say yes to stuff that you want. So that's another uh, people pleaser red flag.
0: How do you feel about that now?
1: I think it's sad. I think it's sad, but it's an eye-opening for me of, okay, I know exactly what I'm going to say to my kid. <laughs> of course, that can backfire, right? <laughs> if we're like, don't do this, do this, then they're like, hey, do what I want. Uh, so being able to, to talk to her in a way that, you know what, this is this is what I did. And we were just having that conversation last night. Like, you know, they because she's she'll be in eighth grade next year. Uh, and she's, she's a, a pretty smart girl, and, but she's, re- she's really good at listening, probably because we've had these nonstop conversations. And it's, here's, I think, a, a big key for parents. Um, so I feel like back, back in the old days, it was more lecture style, right? Where in the TV shows, like they would line the kids up on the couch and they would tell them, like what to do and what not to do and ground some kids. And nowadays it's all about sitting around the table regularly, right? So you can see if there's a shift, if there's something, if they're acting different, Um, but also like having back and forth. So my family will do this thing where we will um, give each other some feedback so like teacher lingo it's a glow and a grow so like oh you're doing really good in this um i noticed like this where maybe you could work on but then she can also give it back to us she's like oh mom you've done really good at this uh, and she it's funny because she she doesn't have something really strong to give us yet on the critique side so it's like i don't like it when you gasp a lot for no reason because <laughs> i'll just go <gasps> when i think of something and they're like don't she's like don't do that (laughs) i'm like okay that's good to know (laughs) so then we'll and then we'll just all help each other uh be accountable but it's more like a team instead of uh we're gonna tell you what to do and i think that helps open up to communication it doesn't it feels like she can come to us and talk to us on things and i think that's important
0: well i love it so Take us on through then. So really college and, and you were sort of in that autopilot into, as you say. The, yeah. Yeah. You know. I, was, I was
1: married. I was just going. I was.
0: Big sigh I, there. That's quite interesting.
1: <laughs> I, I totally missed it too. It's yeah, just it's the just, married. I was married.
0: <laughs> it's like <cunt>, school. <laughs> like this it was just on this hamster wheel. It's just, it was oh, a, yeah.
1: It was all the shits. Yeah. Like yeah. you get married, you have a house, you build a house, you go to school, you have a kid, you go back to school. And I was, I loved, I loved school. So that was an easy Mm -hmm. one for me. And it was probably a great way for me to, you know, leave, leave the house and leave, not be in my job and also meet other people and, and continue to learn. Um, and of course it was stuff I loved like psychology and counseling and, and all of that. So I continued to grow. So all the stuff that maybe people probably learned when they were teens and young twenties, I was still like, Oh, okay. And learning about and evolving as I
0: went along. Was, was religion a big thing for you guys?
1: Uh, so I was raised Catholic, uh, and looking back, I did a lot of, I did a lot of searching. Um, so I was raised Catholic, went to CCD on Wednesdays with friends, uh, which is like Catholic Sunday school, but on a Wednesday. Um, and of course Catholics are, you know, they're pretty, pretty strict, pretty, this is the right way. This is the wrong way. This is heaven. This is hell. (laughs) At least that's how my, um, young brain interpreted it. Uh, what else? Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. Yeah. This is a whole other <laughs> story and root, but it was just me. I feel like searching and searching. So my, I met my ex and at the time, I think he was, I don't know what he was raised, maybe Baptist. And then he had met some friends and was going to a Pentecostal church. So Catholics, Catholics, way over here, Pentecostals way over here, and it was eye-opening, and what I, and then I also met some Mormon missionaries um, uh, in college, and just, I was just open to hearing about everything, because I thought it was so fascinating, because when I was younger, I thought, you know, the Catholics were like, it's this way and everyone else is wrong and you're going to hell. And then the Baptists were like, no, y'all are all wrong and you're going to hell. (laughs) And then same for the Pentecostals and the Mormon. Like everyone had the basic same thing. We're right, y'all are wrong. Uh, But I I could see, you know, there were people in each group, each religion that were super passionate. And so I always kind of grappled with, okay, like surely God's not going to send that person to hell if they are doing what they've been told and they're, they believe it a hundred percent. And you know what I mean? So I was just like, that doesn't make sense. Like, I I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, so just kind of continued to have some great deep conversations with, with different people um, and hearing, hearing their version. And I, I loved it. Of course, bought bought lots of books to explore and kind of on my own because I feel like the way I was raised, and <clears throat> not just my family, but I felt like everyone at that age is don't like don't ask a lot of questions, like this is just the way it is, like listen to your elders. <laughs> this is what the Bible says. Like don't que- don't question it. So, I was definitely doing a lot of questioning. So, it was kind of on the side on my own trying to figure this out for myself
0: what what age were you when you were asking those questions and and what what were you what were you really trying to ask
1: um (laughs) so that was probably high school uh so like probably through middle school and lower high school until probably my
0: like 14 15 something like that
1: probably probably 14, 15, and on to, on to probably 20 because I, I met my ex probably around 17, 17 18, and then I met the Mormons I think when I was 19. Uh, so <clears throat> yeah, really in that age, and I think since my my parents had gotten divorced and. My, you know, my brothers were away at college and it was just me and my mom. We didn't, we weren't going to church anymore. Um, So then I could just kind of really see, or I started going to church with, with my ex. So yeah, lots of digging and exploring. And I don't, I wouldn't be able to say confidently that at the time I knew that I was that I was gay I knew I knew I was different, but I didn't I don't think I got it. if I did i rep- like repressed it so much it was like nope, nope nope, nope <clears throat> um but i I mean I feel like I must have known at some level because i I remember going to church and when they would have especially well, especially like the Pentecostal <laughs> ones where they would be like, homosexuals are going to hell, <laughs> I'd be like. That's like, hmm. Like I'd I'd feel graded a little bit, even though I didn't consider myself one yet. I would just, I didn't align with that. So some good questions. I'm going to have to keep thinking on all this, Pete.
0: I didn't say it was going to be easy.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, it's it's, it's amazing the you know, and it's not uncommon, especially I suppose through teenage years you do. And that's the beauty of that is that you ask a lot of questions and I think possibly in years gone by, you're told to just (laughs) accept that that's what it is. And some things you can and some things you can't, you know, it's like, you know, what's the capital of France? It's, it's, there's an answer, you know, whereas something, something there's not. And, um, can I just check there's something not on fire in your background there? Cause like, I don't know is a vaping machine (laughs) or. Uh,
1: I think it's some essential oils. Is oh, it changing okay. color and misting?
0: <laughs> just now and again, I see some steam. I'm like, Jesus, the place is on fire. Really?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're like, just going to continue this. Though. <laughs> yeah,
0: like, the building burned down, but it was a great interview. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, that's, I, I find it fascinating, especially with the, you know, there was a lot. So your parents divorced, what was it, you were around 14? Did you say? <laughs> did
1: Maybe 15, 16.
0: Can I ask uh, it's it's strange quick. can I ask your your memory on a lot of these times is is not sketchy, but you, you kind of have to think really hard. Can I ask, is there a particular reason?
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't know and I, I like when you think back to your like can you easily identify like certain ages like along with <clears throat> along with memories?
0: it depends some things i can something i mean generally my memory is shocking so it's for, for me i don't know i suppose to, to be honest what i'm kind of what i was wondering is almost like when you know and it's it's typical you know when people talk about you know who they were as a child and what they loved to do and almost mm-hmm. then their their child and, and their potential then starts to go on a certain trajectory and that's mm-hmm. that's their potential true selves but then there's the real life starts to head off somewhere else because of outside influences and everything else. And I think almost the further you get away from, you know, when you see that gap, it, it actually potentially ends up starting to, it, it phase facts and figures because it's kind of go here's what I want, but here's what I'm doing. Here's what I want. Here's what I'm mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. what I'm getting at. I know it's a bit deeper, but um, yeah. No, don't, don't answer if you don't feel comfortable.
1: <laughs> uh, no, that, I mean, that can make some sense. Part of me is just, I can't, I can't pinpoint some of those. Uh, if it's tied to like school and I can remember like the teacher and the, <laughs> if it was elementary, I can do like those kind of chunks of time. Uh, if it's tied to a certain sport, stuff like that. And like you said, I was, you know, super happy playing sports. Uh and then, you know, there's a, a chunk of time where in my head, like when I was the early years of being married, like I said, it was fine. And we, you know, we built a house and we were doing all the correct steps, but there was nothing, it was just a chunk of time where nothing was really happening. We were just, I guess, live, living the life <laughs> and doing what we were supposed to do. But I can't think of like anything that I would look back and be like, oh yes, this year, this is what we did. And this year, this is what we did. But I mean, time flies, right? Everyone says Absolutely. when you're when you're living your life, time can zip by so fast.
0: So 26, your daughter comes along.
1: 26, Scarlet. So she comes along. I uh she was one a little before one when I and I and I don't remember again (laughs) again this might just be me like burying burying all this stuff but my ex and I must have had a couple of conversations in there with me saying you know it kind of feels like we're just friends um so I at one point Scarlett was probably maybe six months. And I brought that up again. And I was like, I feel like we're just friends. And this time it was like, I don't like, I don't know if we should keep doing this. (laughs) Um, And then we just like, it wasn't, there was no rush. I wasn't with anybody. And we just, it was like, well, can we, you know, try, try throughout the summer. And I was like, sure. <laughs> the people, people pleaser in me is like, okay, I can, like, I can do that. Like, because yeah, there was definitely part of me that felt really bad, um, that I had spent all this time not knowing myself. And in my head, I was wasting his time too. Hmm. Um, I'm sure at the time he did not see that, but, and I'm someone that really likes to rationalize and things like one reason isn't enough like just because I want to not enough but then I was like is it fair to him that I stay in this relationship if I don't really love him like is there a chance that we get divorced and he finds someone and it's just like the best and there's chemistry and you know it's really really good (laughs) um so there, like, uh, there was that, and then there was me thinking about Scarlett. Like, is it fair to Scarlett to, you know, say one thing and say, oh, you need to have this kind of life where you know you're happy and blah blah, but be living inauthentically and kind of living a lie. So those were all things that were kind of going through my head. So I felt, I felt guilty. I felt bad. So we just kind of spent. Uh, a few more months, basically until her birthday and then, after her birthday, we filed for divorce and um uh went on our merry way. I lived by myself for the first time ever sounds it's almost backwards, but it sounds very old school, like I went from my mom's house to living with uh my husband so which when we were raised, that's how it was supposed to be. Like that's what we were told. like you 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 get married, although most people go to college, so who knows what I interpreted and what in the world I did, but I messed it. I messed it up a little bit. but um, so that was an experience all by itself, being able to have my own my own career. I think I was a, a first grade teacher at the time and then um, have my daughter and live by myself and be a real adult.
0: <laughs> Big smile on the face there.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I feel it now.
0: Yeah. I'm well, sure. I mean, well, how did that feel? Tell me.
1: Well, so at the time, um, he, he and I, like I had, he and I knew that I was gay, but I didn't, like, my mom was like, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, is yeah, that's it? Yeah, it's fair is enough
0: it, to ask. It's like, what?
1: Yeah, what? it is. It was like, is it postpartum? Like, are you depressed after you had your daughter? And I'm like, nope. Because <laughs> at this time I knew. And like I said, communication, communication wasn't my forte when I was younger. And it's still, I would still say with, with my daughter, it's one thing because it's almost like I'm, I'm teaching her how to do it right. But, you know, when you interact with people from your past and from when you were younger, you kind of revert back. So I just wrote her snail mail, (laughs) what, what was going on. And, you know, I'm, I'm gay and it doesn't mean, you know, I'm going to have rainbow hair and I'm going to do all this things and be a completely different person. I'm still the exact same person.
0: Oh my God. How many, how many sheets of paper does it take to tell your mom you're gay?
1: Right. Uh, I probably kept it short and sweet. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not a huge writer. Uh, So yeah. So I sent that and I think there might've been a a week in between of (laughs) of hearing anything back did she get it
0: did she she receive it uh
1: you know what i think she did i who knows what she said to other people and who knows the conversations she had with my brother or her sister but she it's not like she tried to talk me out of it or if she did i have blocked that out (laughs) because i'm i'm deliriously happy now so i don't i don't remember that but um, but 20, I
0: 27, and you've stopped pleasing people.
1: Mm, not, no, no. I think I was probably finished, huh? 30. Yeah, I still had to. So I was in my first um, relationship with a woman, and it was it was toxic. It was toxic. Big start,
0: <laughs> like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we were talking about contrast earlier, right? It's got to be really bad <laughs> before it can be really good. And just, gosh, and it's funny, right? You always hear about uh, counselors and and healers and people like that, like needing their own therapy and and not listening to themselves. And I'm totally for that. Like, that's why counselors have counselors and coaches have coaches and highly successful people ask for help and get the help they need. Um, So, gosh, it was probably maybe three three years or so with this relationship that was just nothing I would want for my kid. Nothing. Um, and it's and it's you know it's not it's not on either one of us because I'm sure I'm sure she went on to find her person and is happy now, I hope. Uh, but you know, sometimes there's just incompatibility. So Sure. I after that um there was about a a year of you know what, I'm gonna stop looking so hard and I'm just gonna hang out with my friends, which again I had never been single long enough to do that. <laughs> so I had um some really good teacher friends and we uh, just enjoyed watching movies and going to concerts and just laughing and having fun and kind of figuring out a little more of who I was um, and then finally i a, a close friend had set me up with um, my my special someone uh, and it's hilarious because sh- she will tell you this story. <laughs> <laughs> she'll tell you the story that um the friend so the <laughs> the friend showed us both pictures of each other and I'm not a look at a picture and decide if I want to like and i had from my story i hadn't done a lot of dating so I hadn't had a lot of that and i was part of me was scared of getting back into something and being a people pleaser so I was just like Ooh, i don't i don't know like i don't I don't think so and a and the way she, the way she tells the stories is she was like, yeah. And then, the, and then her version is, I was like, no, <laughs> which wasn't the case at all. So eventually we uh, went to like a, a birthday party and we got to meet each other face to face. And then like, I remember, it's one of those where I remember, and you've heard my memories. They're not good but I remember exactly where I was in the restaurant. I remember like leaning over to shake her hand um, because I'm nerdy like that. And, uh, and just like, I just kind of knowing, even though I still like, we took it super slow. Like we, I kept her in the friend zone for like months and months as we just kind of did skydiving and played and just had fun kind of getting to know each other with with my guards still kind of up. Um, oh gosh. So this is, this is random, but right as I met her, um, I mentioned this to you right before the show, uh, my brother and sister-in-law had asked me if I would be a gestational carrier. So the first year I met Sam, I was also pregnant with twins. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Love it.
1: So yeah. So talk about finding someone that doesn't run for the Hills and loves you for you and is there to give you shots in the back every day, even though she hates shots. <laughs> um, so such, such an amazing experience and the contrast. The contrast was there, like respect and the same weird, we were, we are equally weird. (laughs) If you're weird, so all the weird people out there, Pete, it doesn't look like you understand this, but for all the weird people out there, you have to find your match, your equal in weirdness, or it's just, it's just not the same. So I, um, so we are going on nine years. This is our ninth year together. We built a house, um, kind of did everything backwards, right? She helped me through pregnancy, um, twice, uh, start, start a new career, leave a new, leave a career. We built a house and now, yeah. Raising a teenager. Wow. She, I don't know if she knew what she was signing up for though.
0: It's kind of an interesting opening to go on, you know, your journey and then by the way, I'm I'm carrying twins.
1: Right. So I I met her right like we probably had a few conversations before that. So I must have like I hooked her
0: before
1: (laughs) before she found out.
0: How would you feel if (laughs) well I have a friend of a friend who did this? What do you think? Yeah.
1: Right? Oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: Well. again, big smile on your face. It's, it's obviously a a strong memory, strong thing for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, my thirties. So I met her when I was 30 because again, she likes to say, (laughs) she met me when she was in her twenties and I was in my thirties. So she's like a year and a half younger than me, but she likes to, (laughs) she likes to make it sound like I'm really old. So I met her when I was 30. So my thirties have been incredible. And you know there's with all relationships there's ups and downs but those those four r's i mentioned earlier uh even though at the time i didn't know the four r's just tons of communicating and not holding stuff in so the beauty about you know being married before and then going through a toxic relationship is oh i i think i can i know what not to do and what to do i know to have these conversations before it gets big and and scary I know how to um, cultivate it and what I want this to look like so it's it's been great
0: well it's um it's it's great that you've you've obviously you understood that a lot more you've obviously gone through and you've worked on yourself quite a bit is that is that fair to say
1: yeah yeah definitely so oh gosh <laughs> I was thinking, Oh, I told it all. I told my whole story. So, so I, you know, I, I went to school, I got all of the masters. I got, I'm a counselor. I'm a professional counselor. I did private practice. I'm a school counselor. And then, uh, quit, I quit. Um, and pretty, pretty much suddenly. So I tend to, once I, I don't feel like I do anything impulsively and quickly, but I think about it probably on my own for a while before I'm like, all right, this is, this is the decision. And then I do it. And then it's hard to stop me from, from doing what I want after I think about it. So, um, and just went on kind of a a goose chase of my, um, my partner wasn't, she's not one of those that went to school going, Oh, I want to be this. So like where I was like, I love psychology. I want to do something with that. She was like, I don't know what I to do. I guess I'll do business finance. <laughs> and now of course she's a, an awesome financial advisor, but, um, previously she was like, oh, like I was off for, uh, the summer and she was asking like, Oh, like, I wonder what other jobs are out there just kind of in a way searching for herself. So then I like went on a wild goose chase of, um, what's his name? Basically real estate, <laughs> real estate, MLM, all of the entrepreneur whirlwind that you get involved in. But the beautiful thing about all of those, even though I had learned about counseling and psychology uh the mindset approach that comes when digging into being an entrepreneur. Like, on, mindset is huge in the world of entrepreneurs. Like That's like 101, but then the problem is people think it's 101 and then they do it once and they're like, oh, I, I, I learned about mindset, I got this. And then it's, it's a daily practice, right? Mindset is a daily practice. So sure. getting into that and really, that is where I probably have made the most growth personally. So if you if you talk to anybody I knew in my 20s when I worked um, as a teacher, they will tell you that I am not really the same person. I mean, parts of me are, but I, like I remember saying this in, uh, when I was a first grade teacher, like I didn't want to be the leader. I just wanted to sit in my corner and have my little class and do my thing. I didn't want to do anything extra. I didn't want to lead. I didn't want to. And now, you know, now I'm in my thirties and now I'm like, okay, okay. Like I can help people in a different way and I don't have to do a nine to five and do what everyone tells me. I can do it a little bit differently. Um, so yeah, Annie has evolved. I would say that.
0: <laughs> Is Annie where she's supposed to be and who she's supposed to be?
1: Uh, I think so. I think so. She, I, I mean, Annie, of course, still has, still has growing to do, and I, and I hope I never stop growing because I think, I think there's always something to learn or to learn a little better. Um, I love life coaching. I can't see doing anything else, um, and it's weird because I was, I was a counselor, so it's, it's very, very similar, but. For myself, uh, I remember because I had talked to somebody, and they're like, "Don't give up your LPC. Like you went through all this school to get it, and the testing, and you paid for it." And I'm like, "But like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I like it. <laughs> like I like even though I would be working for myself. Like if I worked in a private practice, um, you know, I would still be in there, you know, all day, just in my own office." Uh, but I had noticed that when people would come into me, into the office for counseling, that there would be, whether their parents sent them there or they were older, but there'd be almost like they would drop a notch. It's almost, it reminds me of kids during the summer and how they kind of forget some of what they've learned. Like some patients will come in and instead of feeling, feeling empowered, which I feel is like what a coaching does, like, oh yeah, like I can do this. It's more like, oh, like help us, help us through this. And then there's walls up that, oh, I'm, I'm broken. Um, Like what's wrong with me? And some people can sit in that counseling couch for years and years talking about like the same thing from their past instead of like with counseling, with coaching, using some bits from your past, kind of like all this great stuff you're asking me, right? Um, And working on your present and your future and going forward and going, you know what? I, in the second half of my life, I get to make the choices. And just because I was raised this way and I had this prior programming doesn't mean that's how it has to be. I get to make these choices and um, I don't have to hold on to these previous beliefs.
0: Do so, feel, do you feel confident now?
1: Uh, I I think so. I feel a lot more confident. Yeah, I mean, there's days where you know, depending on what it is, I might feel a little less confident, um, a little bit of that imposter syndrome, right, where you're like, do I really, do I really know what I'm doing? But definitely, comparing to old Annie, I feel, I feel so so much more confident maybe not athletically, athletically, I feel less confident (laughs) than when I was in teens and twenties, but, um, with who I am and my direction and like my, my family and my crew and knowing like who, who loves me and who are my people and being able to let go of people that I'm not aligned with and being okay with that like oh like we got what we needed maybe and now we can go our separate ways I think um when I was little I I probably wouldn't have done that at all
0: Mm. do you like yourself do you love yourself
1: I do I do old Annie no (laughs) no that wouldn't have been there but um
0: when did that shift come for you do you know
1: you know what probably doing all the all the mindset work so even with my master's in counseling and going to counseling myself like shifting into mindset and of course now like I have my own coaches and um being able to make my own decisions and finding my person like all of it have been little puzzle pieces that have made my puzzle super super strong um I don't think i have to have my my life partner to to feel confident or to like myself but i think it's it's helped right it's been a supportive piece you
0: no know, it's 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 good i mean it's great to to be at that point in your life and i think it's it's very telling you yeah. know of, of, of where people are at you know
1: yeah yeah guilty a
0: guilty pleasure
1: Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> Netflix and pizza. Does that, <laughs> does that count? Whatever I, uh, works. Yeah, so we, we're also kind of getting addicted to little, little road trips. So anywhere where we can, and we're in the Texas, and if you know anything about Texas, you can drive for hours and half a day and still be in Texas. But um, just finding little local places that aren't necessarily the go-to places right it's not like the beach or all the places on on the map that everyone knows about and brags about it's finding little places and knowing oh like if I have my crew and we're just gonna relax and have fun and enjoy each other like every place can be pretty magical so finding the joy in in every place we go and just bringing our happiness with us
0: it sounds like you know. Do you enjoy being or seeing things slightly differently, or being a bit quirky? Is that is that something <laughs> for you?
1: Um. So in my head, I'm I, you know, I'm like, oh, everyone, everyone feels this way. But I know, you know, I know, hearing from clients and friends and people that, um, I I probably do think a little bit differently. I'm definitely, I'm definitely optimistic. I'm definitely uh, gosh, Victor Frankl's book, um, man's search for meaning. Like you, you make the meaning in your life. It can be good. It can be bad. Um, but what are you, what are you wanting it to be? And, and being able to focus on that and not just rehash all the bad things that have gone on in your life already, because yeah, I could, I could dwell on, on stuff in my life, but it wouldn't help. (laughs) It wouldn't, it wouldn't help at all. Right. Review and take something from your past and then go forward and see what you can make of it.
0: So going into your forties, how do you feel? I'm there there already. I I broke the ice last year. How
1: was it? How was it?
0: it was good 30 come going, going 39 was worse same with 29 29 was i was mortified and terrible by the time you got to 30 i was like yeah whatever i'm done
1: <laughs> uh, right so a little less a little less caring more and more as you go um so i'm i'm feeling great so <laughs> a lot of times and i not that i'm wishing time with my daughter away because she'll she's 13 um while i'm in my 40s she will graduate and leave for college and I think that all relationships should start planning ahead. So instead of having that emptiness syndrome where they're like, oh, now I, now I have to be with you and I don't even like you anymore, <laughs> like getting excited. So Sam and I are like, okay, when, when Scarlett goes off to college and we've already told Scarlett, like Scarlett there probably won't be a home to come back to (laughs) because we're going to move and we're going to try out different locations. And, Mm -hmm. you know, part of the beauty of my job is I can be a life coach anywhere. Um, But, you know, go live in Colorado for a ski season and not worry about rushing back and forth and, you know, go live in the area where my brother and his kids are and be able to experience that. And just, so basically we're, we're dreaming big and we, are planning our our life ahead of time and you know visualizing it and knowing this is what we want instead of oh my gosh my daughter's a senior and next year i don't know what's happening and it's going to be horrible so i definitely think people should plan ahead and and look with optimism at what's coming and if you look ahead and it just looks horrible then i say (laughs) i say call a life coach (laughs)
0: love it love it um just, I suppose in a couple of words, you know, a gestational carrier. Talk to us about that.
1: Yeah. So a gestational carrier, uh, my brother and his wife were unable to carry. Um, So they had asked me and it's, it's similar to a surrogate. So if anybody's familiar with friends and we, I remember laughing at Phoebe when she carried her brother's kid and thinking, oh my gosh, that's, crazy why would she that's horrible and then I and then I did it I became Phoebe uh but it was it was the smoothest thing ever they um got all the good stuff and mixed it up and then just I was basically like an incubator and what's funny is I was a first grade teacher the first round when I carried the twins and um we have a unit on the life cycle and we actually have an incubator and we hatch chicks so i was able to i was able to just say i'm like the incubator like i'm not the i'm not the mom and the dad i'm just carrying the eggs until they're ready and then i and then i give them back so i was able to explain that to the kids so well
0: a third dimension to the whole thing for (laughs) kids like we're just about getting over sex ed, let alone bringing this whole story in. Right. What's it.
1: funny is probably, and that was in first grade, so who knows how that story has evolved now that they're older. Like, my teacher, she wasn't married, but she was carrying, she had twins, but then she didn't have twins, and I'm sure hilarious. <laughs> And then, um, And then another round. So I have a niece and nephew that's eight and another niece that's four
0: shout out for them. What's the names?
1: Uh, Rowan, Elena, and Laurel.
0: Oh, wow. Lovely. That's amazing. Yeah. They're,
1: they're, they're a beautiful, beautiful family. So I'm, I'm glad it worked out so well. And I had the easiest pregnancy and I was super duper happy because I was dating Sam. So right. The highs of being in love and just being so happy and cared for. And, um, and I was going to grad school at the time, so it was a busy, it was a busy, busy time. But hopefully, they got all those happy, happy hormones in them. <laughs> got some good stuff.
0: Oh, I love it, love it! It's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It really is. Tell me, this is there a mantra you live by?
1: Oh, um, so I'm a, I'm a Abraham Hicks fan. So everything always works out for me. I was saying that this morning. (laughs) I say it, I say it every day. It's one of those things I journal. And, um, what's funny is I I was having a conversation with somebody and I was like, Oh, everything always works out for me. And they're like, until it doesn't. And I'm like, (laughs) I was like, that's not how that works. Everything always works out for me. And I, I've started saying it, you know, enough around my daughter to where she's like, like, she can kind of see it. She has, the same kind of mindset and attitude that, you know, it, it can be how you look at things. That can really, really make a difference because, yeah, it's, it's easy. We can, especially with Corona and everything going on, you can dwell on all of the negative stuff easily, but it's that particular activating system, part of your brain is going to look for what you're searching for. So like when, you've, when you're interested in getting a Tesla and then you start seeing Teslas everywhere, if you're looking for something negative, you're gonna start hearing all this stuff to support it. And, but the same thing with the positive. If you're looking for the positive and um, then you're gonna see more of it and just being grateful. I definitely have a, a daily gratitude practice. Mm. What's your mantra?
0: Um, live life with no regrets, it's, mm. which is easier said than done, but.
1: That's a yeah. good one.
0: Yeah it's, so, yeah. it's so good. We actually put it on my father's headstone, whether he wanted oh. it or not. It's like, <laughs> I like it. I don't know if he liked it, but yeah. No, it's, it's, no regrets.
1: Uh, it's cool. it on there. That's a good one. I like that. I like that.
0: What's the best advice you ever got?
1: Oof. You know what? Gosh. I wish I could name like an actual person (laughs) that would be really nice to attribute to somebody, but it's probably just from the books, just from the books I I've mentioned. Um, gosh, I'm reading untamed or I've listened to it once it's by Glennon Doyle. If anyone hasn't read it, check it out. So many pearls of wisdom, but, um, just, just these, um, amazing books. So I'm going to have to go back with, uh, the four agreements. And just don't take things personally. Imagine like how much better and easier life would be if you don't take things personally. So that's, that's my challenge for everyone. Try it, see how your day would go if you don't take things personally and just see what a difference that makes when your husband comes home and he like looks angry, just assume it's not for you. It's something he brought home from work and just leave some space and, and talk.
0: Or partner, partner. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's, it's great, and and you know, you're obviously well. You, you come across someone that likes to read a lot, and and you know, which is great. You know, there's a lot of lot of books there, and a lot of mean something to you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm so I'm looking I'm looking at my my bookshelf. I'm also someone that can read a book and then go on to the next one. So sometimes. You know, I'll get in the habit of reading through a book and going on to the next one and not like stopping to absorb and Mm. put it into practice. So that's always a good thing to remember, but that's why you keep them and then you go back and you reread them. (laughs)
0: Love it, love it. So tell me, to summarize Fire in the Belly in in one or a few words, what does it mean for you? What's your Fire in the Belly?
1: My Fire in the Belly? (laughs) is, um, finding, finding my happiness and my peace. And as you observed, like my smile <laughs> or my sighs at different points, um, making sure I have that smile on my face and I'm, I'm being intentional and I have a fire in my belly, hopefully every day. Like every day, every week at least, right? You can have an off day. <laughs> but having a fire in my belly and being passionate and living life on my terms.
0: Love it. Love it. So tell us how can people find you, reach out to you? What's the, what's the uh, best way? So, to
1: you? so I have a website. It's just Annie M. Henderson.com. You can search that also on facebook that's probably where i'm most active uh not i, I do have uh, instagram but i'm not quite cool enough for instagram <laughs> so you'll find some stuff but uh facebook uh you can look for just my name um uh, if you're a mom we have the end mom guild group uh if you're in the lgbt community we have a safe and out group um so a little bit of something for anyone and i'm on TikTok. Have you hopped on TikTok yet, Pete?
0: I have not. <laughs> it's uh,
1: it's kind of fun. Although I don't, I'm hypocritical because my daughter's not allowed on TikTok because <laughs> I, kn- I know the dangers. But I do use it for business and to talk to other people pleasers.
0: I'm like you. I'm I'm just about getting my head around Instagram. People are like going. I messaged you three weeks ago and going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just so- can't find the inbox.
1: Don't email me. Don't message me on Instagram.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. And it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. So thank you for, for sharing your, your passions and your journeys and everything else. So uh, I, yeah, I look forward to talking again in the future. So thank yeah, you.
1: thanks so much for having me on a peak. It's great.
0: Perfect. Thank you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without our great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And by the way, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.